cool. We're live. Welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 64. Before I jump into it, I'm going to, man, I'm trying to get used to doing this in the beginning, but please like, comment, subscribe, share, all that good shit. It helps us a lot. Um, if you feel so inclined and would like to help us keep doing this, um, please send us some money. We will gladly take your money. <laughs> All right. With that, be <laughs> with that being said, Thanks I am donator in the description. Yes, <laughs> all the stuff's in the description. With that being said, we are joined once again by my very good old dear friend JP Andrade. Do I say that right, or is it is it Andrade? Do I have to like it's it's Andrade, but Andrade. I, mean, I was honestly yeah. always kind of curious and never asked you because I didn't want to look like a fucking idiot, but. And well, that's okay. Oh. Spread it. Spread it ass. So better late than never. What it's been like only fifteen years. <laughs> only fifteen years. You finally asking that. For, it's fine. People used to say delay, the laughing. Yeah, dude. Like my gym teacher called me the Laffy Taffy. Because oh, no. remember that stupid ass song when we were in high yeah. school. Do the Laffy Taffy. Yeah, he used to I'm sure it. if that happened now, you could have probably gotten a lawsuit out of it. Well, I could have said it was a hate crime or like, yeah, you know, exactly. canceled him. Be like, excuse <laughs> me? That's like, what is that? Okay? What? And then go to the fucking principal and then, yeah. like, yo, this gym teacher. <laughs> All right, let me stop. Just made All up right. a whole scenario. <laughs> As you can see, me and JP are old friends the way we uh, joke around. But JP is an amazing musician, excellent drummer, um, one of my biggest inspirations behind the kit. And currently, he's playing with the band Kalias, which he is one of the co-founders of. Um, you guys just put out a new single, correct? Yes. So we released this track uh, called Disembodied Existence, and we released it on Friday. And uh, we've been working on this single in particular for a while. And we're sort of doing a, well, not sort of, but we're actually doing a soft release um, on the album. So we're trying to release a single every month, month and a half. So this is um, another one of those singles. And yeah, really excited to see what you guys think about it. Yeah, I gave it one listen today. Like I knew it came out, but you know, Brent and I, we were gone onto Fire Island, you know, the gay haven on Long Island. <laughs> so we were over there for the weekend and the track, I think, dropped in the 19th. So that, I think it was the day before we left. And we were just kind of, you know, immersed in all that stuff. We were helping our friend with some things down there. But I sat down and gave it a listen today. Um, and we will give it another listen right now, actually, on the show. So any of our viewers who hate metal music, I don't give a fuck. Go listen to another show. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Sorry. <laughs>
Hell yes. Dude, that, that solo was so sick. <laughs> so sick. That, so when I was listening to it earlier, I had like goosebumps when I heard that solo. I'm like, wow, Nicole knocked it out of the ballpark with that one. Uh, which which one? The one at the end. Okay. Yeah, I, think that's, uh, I think that's Zachy. That was Zachy? Yeah. So Zachy had uh, written and recorded this like, I don't know, maybe four years ago. Like it's been, it's been a minute. And uh, then, he, you know, we listened to it and we were like, hey, maybe this song will fit in with the rest of the album. And then we just kind of chopped things up a bit. Um, and yeah, this is like uh, the final product. <laughs> really happy with how it came out. I think um, it's definitely going towards the direction that we want to go towards just having that progressive element still in there, not only being aggressive but just being very experimental too i think it's gonna tie in very nicely with the rest of the the songs that we all wrote together so who's doing the clean vocals that's our bass player chris okay yeah he has yeah. a he has a great voice it, it does remind me of some of the more alternative rock stuff yes um, he's super like into 90s, that. Yeah. early 2000s you know stuff like that and I, I know uh andy would hate this but like his voice commonly gets andy from black crown initiate yeah he commonly gets um they prod him a little bit in joke and say he sounds like the singer of taproot he hates that but uh, well chris right. is a is a is a fan of theirs and um also like maynard a perfect circle um uh mud Vane, like yeah, yeah. he's a huge mud Vane guy oh my god uh, and it's childhood you know these these guys they all have great voices i mean even even if i don't necessarily listen to them religiously um you know once you get older your ears kind of open up to like what sounds good and even yeah. if you kind of like dismissed it when you were younger you know when you're younger you're a little bit ignorant to what sounds good what sounds bad or whatever it may be so um kind of going out of it and then you just kind of open your mind and you're like hey that that sounded great you know like Chevelle like ended up growing yeah. on me, you know. It's one of those, one of those bands. At first, yeah. you're like, oh no, fuck this, like tool wannabe band. But <laughs> I you know, after was kind of good actually, and I think part of that is because my first concert ever, which you know, this was Ozfest 2003, and they were one of the bands on the main stage. I think they were the opening band actually on the main stage. Nice. They, they killed it. They did an excellent performance. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I've never seen them live, but that. yeah, I, I'm. I've never seen them live, but I'm sure. Yeah, they probably put on a great show. But I mean, you know, all these all these bands, they, you know, they they were successful at one point yeah. or another, and for for a reason, you know. So, yeah, we kind of get inspiration from from everywhere, which is which is great. And we didn't we didn't even know. So we were, you know, last like over a year ago, we were looking for a singer around the time that we flew out to LA to do the show. No cover that released that our episode released last Wednesday. Um, that's when we started. We were already going in that direction, like, let's find a singer. But we wanted to have clean and growling vocals. And then Chris was like, hey, I can sing. I was like, well, no shit, then let's just do it. You know, if, if we could minimize, you know, the whole process of finding someone else that's not only going to fit musically, but personality, everything else, then let's just, you know, train train ourselves to to do it and so nicole she never sang before in her life she just started like 
pounding away like in practicing a lot like you know we all started like writing lyrics collectively and seeing what works what doesn't work and yeah this is uh what's what's being released now and i, I think it's you know or i'm really proud of everyone for pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone yeah i thought it sounded great i like the transitions thank you um i also like that little part in the middle where it goes kind of like techno jazzy yeah. for like a hot second yeah, like my part so i was going to ask a bit about that um like rendering that live are you going to play that just as like a sample or are you going to play that on uh, pads i was curious when i heard so, it. so yeah all of that is um you know in our backing tracks because i do play the entire set to a click track okay. um but i'm a, i'm in the process of trying to figure out how to like fill that gap in maybe um some, something some tasty like hi-hat work yeah. in there you know i mean regardless i kind of have to keep that tempo that that time going yeah. for the rest of the band i just don't want to keep it like you know i don't want to keep like regular quarter notes going i think that's boring so it, it could be one of those sections that every night you know you have this certain little space to like experiment yeah. and do something a little different and that's yeah. something i i always really loved and appreciated about live music and yeah, as I've gotten older, the crowds and all that, it's its a lot, you know, standing and all that. But I still go to shows, and I will always go to shows because I know that as much as I love these records that I'm going to hear, that there will be something unique to the performance yeah. that I'm just simply not going to get from listening to the record. And some, you know, some of my favorite bands do that. Sometimes they'll even throw in entire improvisation sections in yeah. the live set where they know, okay, for this whole section, we're going to just make shit up for this amount of bars. And every night it's different. Exactly. I, I, I love that. I, I do come from that improv school. I, I love improvising a lot. And um, it takes a lot to get out of your head, you know, especially in a live setting. And then you're playing to a click. So you're like, okay, like I can't improvise too much because I don't want to drive everyone else yeah. off of this ship that I'm, you know, maneuvering at this moment. You know, it's a lot of pressure and everything. But uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a couple of funky things that I, you know, want to do. And I mean, like you said, it's so much fun when you go to a show and you're like, oh, that wasn't there before, or, you know, feelings feelings change too you know like you're you're when you, when you play like sometimes you're you know maybe you're a little bit sad and then your playing is translates a little bit or maybe you're a little bit sad but then you get like pissed off or in the middle of the set like things change so much like when you play live even if it's even if you're playing on a you know 30 day long tour or whatever it may be like you're gonna have things are never going to be perfect. They're going to be tight and that should be expected. Like, you know, there, you're going to, there's going to be a level, certain level of perfection, but for the most part, I think as a, as a, as a drummer and then that human element to it is like, you know, it'll fluctuate sometimes, even if it's not offbeat or anything like that, but it just depending on, on your mood and how you're feeling and stuff like that, which is, I think is, is great. And then going back to, you know, improvising like that, I love that. I, I love going to a show and know like, hey, I don't I, I don't know what to expect. Like, uh, you know, I mean, besides the the set list, like I'm one of those people that do, doesn't like looking at set lists before shows. You know how they post them up on yeah online. Yeah, I just want to go in and 
expect whatever you know even if i get disappointed that they don't play something <laughs> but uh yeah improvising is is difficult but it's it's amazing and i like today i was just kind of going off on that just putting the click track on and just that's it just go to another place and as long as i land on on where i should be landing in the meter then that's great but other than that i'm just like all over the place like trying to improvise and making sure that i'm on time it's um uh, you mentioned something but rewarding <laughs> the fluctuation of like mood when you're playing and how that can change what comes out in a live set so for example you know you will be playing the same exact notes but you might play some notes in a particular different way that night even though they're the same notes you yeah know, let them ring out a long, little longer here or whatever based on your right. mood and i think last time you were on i mentioned um stage acting as an interesting kind of comparison to this and you know why people go to broadway shows and things like that because it's like look every night they are saying the same lines yeah every night like they rehearsed it to a t just like a band they're saying the same lines but some nights you know well, every night, it's always going to be a little different, even though they're saying the same lines. You know, one night they might say this line with a little more emphasis or less or et cetera, you know, depending on what the actor is feeling at the time of the performance and what their mood is, whatever. They might try something a little new, but they're still doing the play exactly as it is. And that's not quite improvising, you know, what we were initially talking about, but I thought it was an interesting point you brought up too. And kind of to lead us into... Um, one of the, you know, the main, main thing I really wanted to bring you on to discuss, which was Chuck Schuldiner and um, Schuldiner and the band Death and their their influence on music. Chuck's birthday passed recently. I think it was May 13th, I believe. Let me go check. Yeah, I think it was the 14th or 13th. Yeah, May 13th. So I was right before his birthday, like a couple of days and I even planned this. I was watching... <clears throat> And I was slipping through, I think it was Amazon Prime, and I put on the documentary Death by Metal, which I hadn't seen. It came out in like 2018. I heard about it, but I didn't. I never got a chance nice. to actually sit down and watch it. So I sat down and I watched that whole thing. And, you know, I, I appreciated him already, and I was already a huge fan. But I walked away from that film really having a deeper appreciation for Death. And, you know, so you mentioned some things that I already kind of wanted to talk about. Like you mentioned like the clean singing thing and incorporating that into metal prog metal, right? Like this idea of taking other styles of music and fusing it with metal and like, and not having your metal just be pure. It doesn't have to be like heavy all the time. And it's so fascinating to me when I think about Chuck, because that documentary, one of the things I really realized was like, he kind of found it prog metal a bit too. Like he found it death metal. Sorry if you're getting yeah. a bit of New York in the background. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. It's like So what's interesting is, you know, Chuck himself never actually wanted to take credit for that. You know, I know I've read some quote he said, but he didn't, he didn't really consider himself this kind of founder of that whole genre. But it's interesting because later as the records progressed, he really tried to get away from that stereotype of just being like a death metal band and it's so fascinating because they're considered like the founders of this genre but later in in his career he really wanted to get away from that and he was already yeah. breaking the mold of something he helped establish yeah like when you listen to the control denied stuff and you're like oh he's there already you know he just didn't get a chance to expand from that like who knows where he would have taken yeah that sound you know it was 
very experimental. And I mean, even with the, uh, you know, sound of perseverance, that was like, to me, that's, that's, that's progressive metal, you know, that's it not, is. that's not a, it has death metal elements and, and stuff, but it was, you can clearly hear his vocals, even if he was, when, you know, when he was growling, which is one of the things that I have always ad admired about him, you know, and, uh, the, the tone, just like the textures of the album were going towards that direction. Like who, who knows what could have, you know, what could have happened maybe, you know, three, four years after that album. Um, yeah, it was, it was just an incredible that that album itself is to me very, it's timeless. I mean, if you look at their, their catalog and the progression of, you know, how it did, if they just evolved, they kept evolving. And to me, that's really the essence of a prog band, a progressive band, a band that's just constantly evolving. Bands like Death, uh, you know, Tool, Opeth, they just change and they, but they, you still hear like the core elements in there. I, it's, it's unbelievable. It's really um, admirable. You know, you, you listen and you're like, wow, like how, how was this even thought of? Like, you know, I listened to, for it example, so ahead like, of its time. So ahead of its yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, when I listened to, I was, I was listening to human like a couple of months ago, like just nonstop. And I was just like, cause I was like really missing Sean Raynard. Like to me, Sean, like, you know, when he passed away, it was just like, fuck man. You know how like, like, a lot of pop drummers or yeah. you know, pretty much every pop drummer, you know, when uh, Taylor Hawkins passed, it was really big deal for me. I mean, that, that's a big deal too. Don't get me wrong, you know, but someone that directly influenced my playing style, like Sean, it was just like, fuck man. Like this guy to me was one of the pioneers of extreme like fusion metal, you know, like he was listening to, the Vinnies and the Dave Weckles and Gary Novak, like Dennis Chambers, all those guys. But he was incorporating that into into extreme metal, which is something that that I always done or I try to to do because I love the same players, you yeah. know. And then mix well, that I, in with. I know how important those bands are to you. You know, ever since I've known you, you've been a huge fan of Seth and Sean and his work and with Cynic. Uh, I heard I of Cynic through you. You were you were the first person to ever introduce me to them and their music, and just that record focus. You know, yeah, they returned years later, but it's crazy to have a band be so innovative that they literally just put a single record out, and then that's it, and then they vanish, and the record is so impactful that for years and years later, everyone's still listening to it. And you know, so Paul Masvidal, who's um, you know, the lead singer and I guess uh, one of the founders with Sean of cynic when him and sean joined death that it, it definitely added a certain element and i think you know you mentioned this progression of death sound and i think that was why as you had this sort of rotating cast of people chuck would always look for the correct people to bring on board to then manifest whatever he was envisioning for that record right and I, he did just the one right wasn't it um human he did with yeah it, it was it was that and then after that um uh, symbolic, but that was with Gina, Gina Hoglin. Yeah. Which is another album that it's my favorite to me was, 
yeah. a huge, huge deal. Yeah. But but it was for for me. I mean, obviously because of the drumming, I, I love Gene. But um, for me, it was just the, the the writing evolved. You know, they're already going towards that uh, progressive sound. I think that you hear in the sound of perseverance. But in symbolic, there's a lot of space. There's it's not super fast like human was incredibly fast really brutal know? record yeah and uh but when it when it slowed down when there was space in the music it there was those moments where where the rhythm section really shined they had some experimental stuff going on there with um i always forget the name of the, the instrumental song that they that's on human i forgot the name of it um uh, but let me see i could pull it up keep going keep going I'll find but uh you know, eventually, I, I think that's th that uh, that space that they found in human, even though it wasn't as much as symbolic, I think eventually ended up being more of a focus on the symbolic stuff. And yeah, I mean, that was that was incredible. Like I said, that the, the way they recorded it, like, it was just so crisp. And obviously, technology had moved incredibly fast <laughs> you know it was constantly yeah. moving really fast and i mean if you, if in you the 90s but listen to that really raw sound on their first record yeah. scream bloody gore which is 1987 um it's a, it's a leap you know when you listen to that yeah. and you jump forward and you listen to an album like like symbolic but you know like i was mentioning earlier chuck was really trying to get away from this this uh box that he felt was being constructed around him you know and and just viewing him as a death metal guy or a death metal singer or band and you know you mentioned control denied and that was the material that they were writing that he was writing at the end of his life um and you mentioned sound of perseverance which was the last death record a lot of those songs which i think you know this were actually uh this control i think it's cosmic sea sorry yeah. that was the song yeah the instrumental yeah uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, cosmic sea. I'm like pulling. Say it was gonna yeah, bother yeah. me, but <laughs> well, like, sound of perseverance. Like a lot of that material was supposed to be. It was control denied material, and right. even the original vocals on there was sung by the control denied singer. And you yeah. know, the only way he could get that control denied record made, made, which was really important to him, was if he agreed to do another death album, which was how yeah. that kind of happened. And it's just interesting because for a lot of people like you said sound of perseverance was kind of almost like a whole ship right it's founded almost like prog metal what we think but those weren't even a lot of those weren't even meant to be death songs so it goes to show that he was yeah. already kind of breaking away and i've heard some people say before like what would happen if he had survived like death would be the biggest band in the world right now if they were still around chuck yeah um, away from it and he was already kind of on his way out toward the end of his life and who knows sound of perseverance actually could have just been the last death record even if chuck had survived yeah who who really knows like i i could i could see them you know if that had happened being maybe the next old path or or a, yeah. a band of, of even Meshuga, right like that's another band to me that just evolved and i mean they have their core sound and you're like yeah that's that's Meshuga, but you really listen like they definitely evolved and uh, you know to me that's just another prog metal people are like yeah like call them tech this tech that whatever i'm just like it's just a it's just a prog band you know <laughs> like they're experimenting they're 
you know, infusing different styles from different yeah. eras and genres of, of metal and yeah. outside of metal. And to me, I mean, that's just, it's just simple as like a yeah. prog band, you know, I don't try to get too crazy with the terms. It's not just the styles too, that you saw that shift. You know, when I mentioned earlier, he was really trying to get away from the stereotypes of how people viewed metal. And that goes down to the lyrical content as well. And the themes yeah. that you see Chuck writing about, like, yeah, Scream Bloody Gore, Leprosy, records like that are really more traditional metal, right? They yeah. do like gore and like bloody stuff and scary stuff and he started to realize like like i want to write about deep stuff <laughs> yeah know, not meaningful just, stuff uh, yeah meaningful stuff not just shock value things and he felt metal was becoming almost kind of i don't know too too generic too too cookie cutter where it was just all about how crazy and shocking can we be and that wasn't what chuck wanted that's not what he wanted to do he did it at first in the beginning yeah. and and he was younger, right? And then as he, as he got older, had more life experience, especially dealing with the music industry, you start to see the shift in definitely 1990 with spiritual healing. He started to talk more about like societal issues, religion, things like that. Right. And then on, on human, you really start to get a more introspective, philosophical Chuck in the lyrics. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. And I think it's a big part of it is like your environment right so you're starting off you're you know you're you're a kid and but you have all these great bands around you as well and they're kind of doing something similar like that you know like the the, the tampa area death metal is just like any other scene like i mean the the bay area thrashing and it's just you know the 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 big four you there's so many similarities in the beginning, you know, and it's true. It's yeah. And they were like, like death metal definitely kind of branched off thrash, but they were also basically like they were developing around the same time side yeah. by side in a sense. And you know, yeah, they, it's, the elements of thrash and they're like, what if we sped this up? What if we exactly. make this chunkier? Um, what if instead of, you know, just doing the harsh kind of like, I don't know, yelling vocals, we did growls or screams or made something sound like demonic almost. It just, it was new. It was unheard of, you know, and you had Possessed, obviously, not just Death. There were other bands who were yeah. doing this. Then there's, what's that band? Massacre. They put that one record out. So there were, there were early bands doing this, but Death was the one, they were the ones, I think, who really made it legitimate as a style. Um, yeah, I think there's always that one band that breaks through out of, you know, uh, a few other bands, right? So, um, with even with the the big four, I, I would I just tell people give it up. Four are any you know. So I, I guess I mean in in the thrash world, you could you know you consider that Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, and probably Slayer. Probably Slayer, yeah. And um, there are other contenders like Testament, and there are other contenders. yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, as much as Metallica gets heat, you know, for what they've done, uh, you can't take they it. From they, they, they progressed, you know, they didn't, I mean, not to hate on Anthrax, but it's just, you know, you know what to expect out of them. And with Metallica, like in those first few albums that they had, you didn't know what you were going to get. And that's, that's incredible, you know. Yeah, I, I was um, looking, I, um to ride the lightning again recently last nice. month when we were flying back from texas 
and I hadn't heard that record in a couple of years, honestly. I hadn't hadn't yeah. sat down and really given it a full listen again, and I, I just forgot how amazing that album is. Man. Oh, it's unbelievable! Yeah, it's it's, it's aggressive, but you know, there's also that space and melodic and too. Just, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, to me, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say, uh, you know, injustice for all, but even uh. Even though, like last year, I was playing the Black Album a lot, just it's because I was getting getting into uh, more of the production side of things, and I also too, I I was geeking out on like Dell brass snares and you know looking at like twenty five hundred dollars snare drums that sounded uh, you know yeah. similar to like the Black Album snare, like that geeky side of drumming, and so you're like, oh man, how do you, how can you manipulate, you know, like the sound on this? And everyone tries to like get that snare tone. There's so many samples yeah. made from that and whatever. So it's like, what you don't want the Saint Anger snare? <laughs> Come on, Come yeah, on. right. Oh man, I probably I, <laughs> let me. I, I get so much heat for that, but um, no, I mean it's like you said, it's a bit, it's a it's a solid record, but uh. You know, I, I I think going back to death, um, he had a he he definitely had a vision for what he wanted to do, and he was particular. He, he stuck to it, which is what I mean. It's so difficult to do that in 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 music, you know, and in the music industry. It's just when I look at bands like you know, like Opeth, where you're you know they they almost you know like death metal, a little bit of black metal in there, like very dark, and then turning into more progressive rock. you know rock and elements from the 70s and stuff yeah heritage you know? was a was a major turning point for them yeah. wise and look i i understand why people don't like the record um you know it's not my personal favorite but when it came out i did give them a lot of credit for taking taking you know the initiative and having balls like that to just be like well whatever we're gonna just drop all the death growls out of here and just do something different we'll go back to a more traditional like psychedelic sound almost like and you, I, that's the thing you have to give credit where it's due you know you you took the risk and i think you should you know you, you should at least get some props for that and I, you know with with that it was like i i can't um you know i can't imagine like someone just going like oh why don't you go back to like the more death metal sound yeah. or you know i mean there's always going to be that right like when you try to move there, there a little still, bit away yeah there are still people out there who will always say that scream bloody gore is their best record is their heaviest yeah. record you know they will hold to that but um but i don't you know what's funny like like heavy is so su subjective you heavy. know like i mean i listen to uh like symbolic and there's so many parts in that album that i'm just like oh my god that's so fucking heavy but it's not even because there's a million things going on yeah. but it's just the the vibe like everything that was created in that in that moment you know it just it's like fuck man like that's heavy but again when i was 14 and i heard like Blast beats at two fifty. I'm like, that's oh, the yeah. heaviest thing in the world, yeah. you know. So <laughs> you're like I said, it just changes. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about symbolic a little more, actually, because like I mentioned earlier, that's my personal favorite record. Nice from them. Um, for a few different reasons. 
like one of the things that, that I was talking about was how philosophical Chuck started to get in his later records. And you really, really find that in, in symbolic, like the title track itself, you know, looking, what's, looking what's your favorite track from symbolic? Um, I put you on blast. <laughs> I feel like if I say crystal mountain, that's going to be like stereotypical, like, but I, if you're true, if you're true DM, that's your favorite uh, track. <laughs> I really, really like the breakdown on zero tolerance. I think it just slaps so hard. It's just so freaking heavy, yeah. but I yeah. like the eyes. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about that song actually. What song? Uh, 1000 eyes. Oh, okay. But, yeah. I, I, my favorite is uh sacred serenity i think serenity. yeah there's just something about that song that's like it, it, it maybe the hi-hat work you know like there's just it's great it, it's very in the pocket it's probably the easiest song to play but i don't know i love that track a lot <laughs> it's a good good track man he got really deep on this record, like in the thousand eyes, for example, when I was watching the documentary, they were talking a bit about the inspiration for this song. Um, apparently there was a large crime wave, um, in Florida at the time, it kind of inspired him to write this. And there was a lot of talk in the nineties at the time, um, that this is going to lead to more mass surveillance by the government. The government's going to watch everything we do to try to prevent crime almost in like a, I don't know, precog way. Right that there will be cameras on all the street corners everywhere. And this was, this was what Chuck thought, you know, he was like, yeah, this is where we're heading. Um, he was right. Of course there are <laughs> cameras now on the streets everywhere. We are more surveilled than ever. But when I was yeah. reading the lyrics to this and listening to it again, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I was just like thinking of social media and, and computers <laughs> and tech yeah. shit that he wasn't even conceiving yet. At the time, like a handheld computer, right? Like that we carry around everywhere. He couldn't have conceived of that. He wasn't even thinking about it. But when you read the lyrics to 1000 Eyes, it kind of sounds like our world, right? Crossing the line to the other side, emerging as prisoners to the emptiness of time. To the left and to the right from behind, they're out of sight, plunging into a newfound age of advanced surveillance, a worldwide foolproof cage. And Man, I just can't help but think of big tech right now and, and the whole oh, surveillance. You should, you should no, play that. It can be. You, you should definitely play the song because uh, I I forgot how amazing that song we'll is, up, especially right? when the when the thrash oh, part comes nice. on. Especially when like that that thrashy part comes on, you're like, oh man, that's that to me, that's heavy. You know, like it's first. Like uh, the words, like, yeah, it's fucking the trip, the triplets that Gene does on that. That one, yeah, yes, yeah, okay. Uh, actually, you track. know what? I don't think there's any a video, or is there a video? There's no video, you just play. Oh, wait, are we gonna get in trouble for playing this? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> we, I mean, can we like cut sample parts out? Uh, I, we can play out. That's bit? right, yeah. YouTube might. You can play like five seconds of something before they their algorithms will hate you. God damn it! Um, Wait, who who's gonna sue us? Relapse? Who owns this now? Relapse right It's that's not. It'll it'll flag it. It'll it flag anymore. It. And then they'll give Relapse the option to sue us, right? Even something though we're like not that. making any money. Even though we're not making any money, and yeah, no, it's technically fair use because we're commenting on it. Um, 
I don't I don't really care. I mean, I don't know if they'll take it. I don't think they'll take the episode down. I don't know. Just play a couple seconds, then we can stop and talk. Yeah. I love that. Nice. <laughs> so sick. Alright, pause, pause. Like, I don't want YouTube to take this down. Yeah. Intense. Fairies, fairies, fairies. So, this is uh, Gene Hoglin on drums. Yeah. And he he's definitely in my top three, I would say, drummers. Not just for the work that he's done on Death, but as you know, I'm a huge fan of Devin Townsend. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big fanboy for Devin. Oh, I love Devin. I think he's a musical genius. I think he's yeah. one of the most underrated musicians alive right now, to be honest. Like, that guy is... I don't know his brain. He's born a hundred years too soon. I don't know. I don't he's, know what the hell his brain is on, but like, he's he's like uh he's like our Frank Zappa, you know. Dude, he really is. He really is. Or like our a Mozart. Zappa. He's like our like yeah. Mozart, yeah. Or like one of those musical geniuses that comes along like once Basically, in a while. Basically, I think he's underrated as hell. I think he's one of those musicians that when he passes, he's gonna become like a total total legend. We're gonna remember. Yeah. Back in, he might even become way more famous after he dies. Yeah, probably. It, usually happens <laughs> but he's just he does like everything you can't put yeah. the genre like when i try to tell people about him and they ask me what style of music he is i'm just like um what style of music isn't he i don't even know like maybe yeah. no rap or like i was about to say country but no i mean there's some folk and he's he's done so many different things but anyway gene hogland was the drummer of devon's early industrial metal band called strapping and lad and you know, this this is one of the most intense heavy bands, in my opinion, from the late nineties and the early two thousands. Yeah, hell yeah. Era. Wow. That's another album that I was listening Which one? to. Which one? Um well the the as the self title one as well. The right. One? I think yeah. it's the the red one, but Alien isn't Alien is like I think I think Devin was going I mean I don't I don't really try to he was going read and yeah he was going through some shit so it's like you can hear how aggressive everything yeah. is like the, the Brent, Frank can't stand it. everything <laughs> Frank can't stand it when I put that stuff on the yeah it's Too really much. really freaking heavy I fucking love it I think it's I think it's outstanding but you know Gene Gene really stood out on that work too and not just that he he played on a lot of Devin's solo material as well which goes to show his diversity as a player you know he could play this really intense fast stuff like with death strapping and then you know play some of this more intricate or calmer softer stuff with his solo shit but um, yeah. you know, what do you think of Devin? What are your thoughts about him and and Gene and all of that? I mean, I I love Gene. He was a, a, another guy that had inspired me a lot, especially with uh, with like just using like ex, like effect symbols. You know, like that beginning, like it was just like with the double ride. You know, like that kind of stuff. I was just like, you know, him and and Nick Barker too were just guys that like. You know they'll have like two rides on like one on each side and just start going off on that and like splashes everywhere and so many different dynamics and and textures uh especially from gene and he has such a such a sick pocket when it comes to 
when it comes to metal because it's so easy to like try to go off and play something you know that's insane but because he lays back sometimes like and serves the music like he just he just sounds great you know it's like uh like chris adler when he was in lamb of god like he was serving the music and it just it's just sounded perfect it was just like it just it just fits you know when 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 the the talent is there like that dynamics like i mean gene gene was you know gene's one of those guys too like he could pretty much play anything if he yeah. wanted to you know not just that he he could still play really loud and fast and that's that's a hard thing you know a yeah. lot of drummers who when you when you try to play really quick and you don't have the proper technique down you start to lose volume you're not hitting, yeah you know I, i'm trying to think who else did that was it uh what's the same the drummer from suffocation um oh mike smith mike smith same thing you know he did these really loud blast beats he beat the shit out of that snare drum yeah. but but would not lose the speed, you know, well, he wouldn't lose volume, but maintain that speed. It's difficult to do. Yeah. Gene Hogland's yeah. a pretty heavy hitter. Like I want to mention some of the other stuff he did, you know, he worked, he was in dark angel. Like I mentioned, Strat Testament stuff. Yeah. Testament fear factory. And then he was the drummer in death clock, you know, anyone who grew up in the yeah. early mid two thousands and watched adult swim, you know, Metalocalypse was freaking awesome. I loved Metalocalypse. That show cracked me up. But if you weren't a metalhead, you didn't understand it. It's just dumb to you. No, but uh, <laughs> but dumb, I didn't like it. But I didn't like it. I was like, you don't get any of these jokes. That's why you I was don't like, like this it. is not funny, Daniel. Not funny. <laughs> Dan, it's like you're not getting the references. I'm like, correct. You're not getting the references. You're not metal enough for this. I was show. not metal enough. You're not for that metal show. enough. It's okay. It's no, De- Devin, uh, Devin is is another guy that you know is he's always going to be up there for me just like chuck and he you know with the experimentation and stuff like that but he gives everyone not everyone but you know he carefully chooses who he's going to do projects with yes and he gives them a chance and i think that's unbelievable like sometimes he gives guys that you don't you know they're not really popular but they're unbelievable players and I, I love that. I feel like there's a lot of hidden talents and um, Anup Sastri. That's who I was thinking of. Okay. Awesome drummer. So he was on. Yeah. Um, he had multiple. Yeah, he's he's a great drummer. He had multiple drummers on Empath, but I was really happy to see Anup Sastri on there because I was already a fan of him from just social yeah. media, and yeah, he's he's, awesome. one of, he's one of those drummers that I feel like Devin just like stumbled upon. He was like, "This guy has exactly what I need." for this and yeah. especially with an album like empath um god what a complicated record like i'm looking at the personnel on wikipedia right yeah, now it's, it's insane so many people on this album it's right insane. like three drummers right multiple guitarists and guest solos and things yeah. like that but i That's think definitely someone that i i like i would love to play for oh my god someone man. like Devin, and i i, I feel like I feel like I I I could if you I could. like you I think like could. you know and like I, I have to manifest that and obviously practice a million more hours but I, I, I don't know I think that it's it's a possibility considering that he you know like you said I feel like he he wants to give certain guys an opportunity you know and I I love that man I feel like if I was in if I had a lot of power pool in, in music like that or in like a certain scene i would i would love to do that as well you know it's like oh man that guy is 
you know, really talented, you know, bass player. Let's bring him in for like a song or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's one of the people that I really, really want to get to come on the show and to talk with us at some point. I don't know if you ever will. I, it, again, you miss every shot you don't shoot. So I'm yeah, definitely exactly. going to, Definitely going to send him an email or a message and figure out what would be the best way to like contact him. But yeah. dude, God, I'm, so I'm, cool to pick his brain for like an hour and a half. Yeah, dude, I like you said you you don't you don't really know unless you try. And I, for me at least, it's it's been evident like in my life where I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm not even going to bother because it's so far fetched and it's like. But you try, you know, you keep you keep trying without hounding people and being an ass or anything like that. You, you always try to be like sincere and genuine. Sincere, and, they can tell, you know, most people yeah. can tell when you're really truly sincere. And like you said, don't pester, don't bother, just be real and be yeah. like, this is what I do, you know, like would you be interested? And then let it go. You know, it doesn't take that long to write an email. Like we've had people come on the show who we did not think would ever agree to come on the yeah. show. But we just simply asked and it only took a few seconds to write something out and didn't really lose very much. The worst that could happen is they ignore you or they say no, you know. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. You so you're going to send keep, Devin keep, some keep tracks, trying. you're saying. I'm sorry? So you're going to send Devin some tracks is what you're saying. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to take one <laughs> one thing at a time at the moment. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like... Um, recently like luck's have been you know luck has been a little bit on my favor especially like with music and it's it's tough man because you know how i, I mean you're an artist you know how it is you have a great day and then the next day is a disaster and it's just to go up and it's a roller coaster it's always so but um it's touring especially and all that like for like we were talking about chuck chuck didn't like touring he notoriously hated it you know, he didn't like being separated from his family for too long and all that stuff. And I didn't, I didn't know, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't know too much about that. Um, but I guess, I mean, they still play like the bigger European yeah. festivals, right? Like the bigger circuits. And stuff. There, there was one tour that they ended up doing without Chuck. Um, go watch the documentary. The very I have to watch that. Yeah. But he bailed out on it because he he didn't want to fly. I forgot what the exact reason was. He was just feeling yeah. weird about it. And instead of canceling it, they went on and like did the tour without him and stuff. It was really uh wow. Yeah, it was like awkward for him and stuff. And they they came back after they recovered. But apparently, he just he was not into that. And that's not the first time I've heard that. I hear that from a lot of musicians. Um, I know Brent Hens from Mastodon. He did an article couple years ago where you talked about the music industry and touring life and you know how vulturous they can be and how yeah. they they work musicians to death sometimes you know just book them out yeah. pass and, and then they book all these like uh like not practice sessions uh teaching sessions on the side like some of these people like they'll be touring 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 and you know they'll do setup and then they have to like have an appointment for like one two hours to teach students and then they go and they play a show and then they pack up and then you go on to the next place and then you do that whole thing again, you know? And yeah, I mean, well, that that's, I, you know, that uh, as far as like teaching on the side on the road, um, I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's just if someone wants to make like extra income, yeah. you know, which, which is, which is great. Um, but think about it. How crazy is that, that you cannot make enough money yeah. you know per show 
Just that you have to teach, that you have to stream. You know, you're doing like, before you know, you're doing like four or five gigs in the tour each night or every other night. And you go home for two weeks and do it all over again. You know, like that, that's, that's insane. And then you're expected to be wired at all times because you have, you know, people have certain expectations and, you know, how does that not drive anyone to the ground? It, it, it's unbelievable, you know? Um, so you're, you're wearing different hats now, you know, you have to be a streamer, you have to be a producer, you have to know how to write We're lyrics, you have to too. know how to teach so. and that, that's another thing. There's a lot of people teaching that shouldn't be teaching. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Not just the instrument. Not just the music. School, too. <laughs> but because they're not making enough money, they they have to. And, you know, I will never knock anyone for making music and, and uh, for, sorry, for making money in a legit way. That's, that's fine if, you know, if a kid chooses to pay you know, a well-known drummer that doesn't really know how to teach $60 for a lesson, then then great. You know, maybe it's just the kid wants to talk to them, right? You know, the kid admires like a song or an album, whatever. That's really cool. But they might not have the the, the tools to be a teacher. You know, it's, it's very different, man. It's so difficult to, to teach anything. So I understand um, that completely, man. Like, you know, I was an art teacher for a bit. I substitute art teacher, but I did that for like seven months yeah. straight in high school. And it's a great experience. I learned a lot, you know. But one of the things I really learned is that I am much better at making art than I am at teaching. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. And also not everyone's an artist. So when you throw a whole bunch of people into a room and, and you try to get them all to do this thing, yeah, you know, you have to actually convince a whole large group of them why it's even important important for them to learn some of these skills and a lot of them will definitely argue against you <laughs> no I'm, I'm, absolutely man um there's different in public it's school. At the, you know i'm sorry it's also public school so that's a little different than saying yeah. like you know you're a specific teacher that people come to they come to you for a very particular purpose yeah, yeah I, I think that's uh, it's you know it's a beef completely honest with you i don't put myself out there as a teacher but i am more than capable of of uh teaching people or the right people if they want to learn you know i'm like really big on on technique and i, I still take lessons myself actually so you know I, I just want to be able to learn and then at the same time be able to pass off what i learn or what i've learned throughout the years to someone that can actually benefit it but um, a lot of people want, they don't want to do the work. <laughs> they just want, you know, to be able to get there quickly. And, and, uh, too, like, it's, like I said, there's everyone, everyone is teaching now. I mean, after, during the pandemic, it was like, holy shit, we can't tour. So now we have to teach. And, you know, like I said before, a lot of people are just not fit to do that. Um, yeah, that the virus and the lockdowns and all that really, yeah. really messed musicians up a lot for a while, man. Like, you know, yeah. I'm friends with Andy from Black Clown, and you know, we were talking too about you like sending a message to Devin, or you never know, right? Like, who, who <laughs> you're playing with? Like, so he's good friends with uh, Rivers of Nile, um, they're all yeah. from the same town, so they know each other, mm -hmm. but aside from being friends with them, he's also a really legitimate big fan of their music, yeah. Um, 
chatted about this before. Like their latest that's, record, I don't know if you've heard band. The yes. Work. Have you listened to it? Yeah, and uh, that's perfect example of a band yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, just continues to push the envelope. And yeah. I've known was, I've known Brody for a while. It's such and, a good uh, record, dude. It's such a fucking good record. Yeah, I think I, I think Brody is an incredible musician. I mean, he's a wonderful person. So I've known him for maybe ten years now. You right. know, and um, unbelievable musician. I, I, I all of them are. Uh, yeah. Adam's a great bass player, great lyrics, vocalist. Um, the 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 band is just stacked, and I think that uh they will be one of those bands like the the, the old pads and stuff like that they'll yeah. just continue to like push the, the envelope like I said. for sure um, they're they're definitely doing that with that record yeah. because that album blew me away and andy told me it was like one of the best records ever <laughs> that's how much he loved it and he's like man i would love to play this music and well now <laughs> yeah now he's on tour with them now because yeah they lost their other guitarist they needed a quick replacement and I honestly couldn't think of anyone better to fill that role than him because he yeah. like, he truly loves that music. He really loves it. So he I loves know, it, like, and they know him. I mean, when you're in the road, too. Yeah. Yeah, when you're in the road, too, you want to be on the road with people that you enjoy spending time with. You know, that's that's your, that's going to be your family for the next, you know, month and a half, two months, whatever. So, yeah. you know, they're all friends. That's even better and he knows the music and loves it it's you know it's just a perfect perfect fit so i think we had like two weeks honestly to like really get the set set list down but you know again i know how much he really really yeah. really takes the music seriously and that shit is his life you know just like you it's like exactly it's it becomes i don't want to see your identity but it becomes a huge part of of your identity yeah you know being a, a musician and yeah, it's, it's always crazy when people are like, oh, yeah, you know, they gave you like two, three weeks to learn material and you're like, yeah, but fuck it. I love it and I want to do it. So that time is so irrelevant. You, you know, you you listen to the material, you play along to it, you you just become obsessed with it, you know, and and then once you hit those first couple of shows like running, like it just becomes like a well-oiled machine so I'm, I'm pretty sure they're they're killing it you know they are i, I was had a bit of a chance to see them but we missed yeah. it when they came to brooklyn so we didn't get to see them and then we almost went to philly but brent was like yeah, i don't feel like going all the way over there but well you know we'll catch him next time and all that yeah but i'm sure he's killing it i'm sure he's killing it i have not seen rivers yet so they're one of the bands that's like on my bucket list oh they're they're awesome um when that was in in Grimace, we played a couple of shows with that man. Yes. And uh, years ago, um, Brody had reached out to me about like auditioning and stuff, but it didn't it didn't work out. Like, I, you know, I, I, their their touring is it's it's very demanding. You know, they have a very demanding schedule, and you know, otherwise, I would have I would have loved to have done something like that, and. Um, but you know they've evolved a lot, and that's incredible. You know, I, I I love to see those kind of bands. You know, from like when I've known how they from an earlier stage, right? And you see, it's like just just anyone. Like when I, you know, talk to you or when I see you online, and I'm like, Dan just keeps evolving. I'm happy. Right. Like I, I want to see that from from Thanks. people. You know, 
I, I admire that, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, we all struggle with that every day, but we try our best to, to do that. And, you know, going back to Chuck, I, you know, you can feel it in the music, you know, how much he wanted to push a new identity every single time, you know? And so it's just, it's so weird, man. Like what, what, what could have happened? Like if he was still alive, you know, like he wanted, he wanted to reach people for sure. And and he did, you know, and and if he would have survived, he would have lived to have seen that. Cause honestly, I think if, I think if he would have survived and death was still around, they would be the biggest metal band in the world right now, at least in the, in the, in the death realm, they would, they would be huge, but that's all, you know, water on the bridge. We'll never know. Cause should have, but how old was he? He was 30. Two thirty-one. Let me clarify that really quick. I think he was. He was thirty-four. He was thirty-four. Yeah, so young. Born in Florida, and that was where that whole scene kind of started to come up. Yeah, he was really young. It was a. It was a a shock to the metal world, to the music world, at the time that he passed. What killed him? He had a brain tumor. Oh Jesus! Brain cancer. Yeah. Yeah, and scary. He, you know, it was hard on him, but he just he kept powering through that. You know, like go watch the documentary. Uh, I'm I'm gonna watch that. Oh, watch it, they, they have... the end of his life too, and just how he really he really threw himself into that control denied work, man. He yeah. really, really threw, and they were working on a whole second record while he was dying. You know, and they they never got to finish it. Might get released though. It's possible. I, you should check out. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, on YouTube, it's uh, Sean Reinhardt tribute on uh, Drum Talk, and it's about it's almost an hour long, and it's it's unbelievable because they get like everyone from the industry that knew him or you know even met him a couple of times, and they they pay tribute to him, and it's it's so good. I've watched it like I've watched it now like maybe three times just because it's just so inspiring hold it up i'm gonna keep the tag the tab open one of the things too that i want to mention you know before we close it out today yeah. too, is in the in the pioneering sense of people like sean and paul of uh, of being gay in the metal world especially at that time um I know Paul has commented on this before. I don't know if Sean has, but I know Paul has done there's it. A couple of years ago, I read an article in which he was kind of discussing what it was like and how they were in the closet back then. And, you know, the metal world was wow. very macho, right? It's, you know, yeah. skulls, fire and shit. It's like, it's a very masculine kind of music. And at that time, being gay in that, that type of scene must have been incredibly difficult for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, I could, you know, I, I, I obviously can't relate, but um, uh, yeah, I can. Can, can you? Can, but but what what I'm trying to say is like, can you just? Im, Im, so metal to me is is a big fuck you to everything else. Yeah, you know, it's an attitude. It's a it's a way of life, but it's also it's supposed to bring maybe the rejects right of you know, the world together to, you know, just bring in like an aggressive sound. And, and it's, 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 it's venting, man. A lot of what metal was for me, especially as a kid was venting. That, that was how I let right. all that frustration out. And yeah, so, so, so it's like, if, if, you know, if all these outsiders 
are looking at someone that's gay and being like, no, that, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's how ironic and weird and hypocritical that is, especially, I mean, you know, 90s, 2000s, whatever, like that's, that's kind of shitty, right? To, to think that our scene at one point was still, you know, homophobic or whatever, like that's, that's pretty insane to me. I mean, I'm sure, you know, it happens to this day, unfortunately, yes. you know, we yeah. like to think that we're advanced and stuff like that, but you know, shit still happens. Um, Thankfully, you know, not and, as much. Thankfully, not as much. Yeah. I, I've been lucky. I have not encountered very much homophobia in my life. So, for that yeah. one time on the train. Yeah, that guy who, who called. <laughs> that oh my god. Oh yeah, I, I got real New Jersey on that. He did too. not like our little yeah. dog. But you know, maybe, maybe you know, oh, my fiance stuff. She. She thinks I have a <clears throat> shitty, like shitty gay dar, so I, I can't even, you know. I'm just like, Me hey, too. whatever, like, what, whatever. And uh, you know, because I, I didn't know that for a while. I didn't know Sean or Paul were, were ever, Same. you know. Same. And and, 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 and I mean, though, I felt like represented, right? Representation. <laughs> so, well. but it was a cool fact to learn. Like, wow, like yeah. who are these really pioneering? like yeah. genius level musicians and and prog metal and just music as a whole were were gay and and you know i wish we acknowledged more of more stuff like this during pride month instead of just you know sex that's kind of what it's become again come you know the whole okay you started lgbt community yeah well you, brent and i were very critical of all that stuff but i wish we just had like you know events during pride month maybe i gotta do it that yeah. celebrate writers and musicians and scientists and thinkers and innovators and philosophers and, and authors and people who did great things but were gay and yeah. did great things despite being gay and their life did not revolve and their identity did not revolve around their gayness you know they did other yeah that's i think that's a big gay. that's a big factor you know what you just said that people oftentimes make their sexuality or whatever you want to you know, however the actual term is, their identity. Yeah. A gay you know, drummer, and you know? like a gay drummer. Like, no, he's a right. drummer. And one of my fears when I was young coming out was like, I never want it to be, I never want it to be identified in that way where what I was doing was not as important as that, right? So, oh, it's gay Dan. It's not, oh, Dan the artist, Dan the drummer, Dan Dan the poet, whatever. It's gay Dan. And that's one of the things you, you get afraid of. At least, I don't know what it's like now when I was coming up. Things are different now, obviously. Our society is a lot more, way more open with that stuff here in America. Yeah. So, almost too open, but <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. No, but uh, you're, you're right. I think that Oftentimes, like when you you know you think of like metal and gay, you immediately go to like Ralph Halford, right? Yeah, I was thinking, but of but yeah. you know, I think a part of it is a big part of or factor is because he is so open about it, you know, like he was the, the first way the way he dressed everything, yeah. right? He was the first and, and, in in heavy music to do that to really take it on and unapologetically to just be like, this is what I am. You know, yeah, and 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 you know, it's kind of like the concept. This, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Like he was very open and vocal about it and everything like that, as opposed to these other pioneers, you know, that were just like, 
yeah, I'm I'm gay, but it, it, it you know I'm I'm not it's it's not all that I am. I'm an incredible guitarist and songwriter and drummer and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just I don't know. It's 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 very unfortunate that they had to and, and I'm sure that for a lot of people coming out it's very, you know, that that don't that feeling that that daunts on them, you know, constantly like, oh my God, like how am I gonna be looked at, especially in especially because you're in a scene already, you know. Um, but again, in a scene that is supposed to be welcoming and accepting of everyone. I mean, you look at the metal scene and you're like, holy shit, man, you, you have like, you know, a loser over there. You have a fucking bum over here, a stockbroker, someone that's married, someone that's single, someone that has 30, it's just like uh, everywhere. And that's the beauty of it. So why can't you have like fucking... A couple of gay guys that shred, you know? <laughs> well, I think anything can become stagnant. Any genre or style can be overdone and stagnant. And same with the scenes, you know, they can become stagnant. You need the gays. We got to come in there and, you know, make things interesting and, and be creative and change shit up. And look, maybe that's why a band like Cynic very early on was able to just be like, screw it, clean singing, robo vocals, whatever. We're going to just do it. Like, it doesn't have to be metal. And they were all they were already doing that before bands like Between the Buried and Me and Opeth and, the, and you know these bands that came not too long after, but took that and they took it further, of course. But Cynic did it first. They did it first, and I don't know if their gayness has anything to do with that. Although we are typically stereotyped I mean, as very creative or whatever, but I mean, who who knows? You know that there there's, uh, I mean, re- regardless. I think they were just incredibly creative and thinking outside of the box and they had, they, they were just, they were, they were free, you know, maybe that's, that's a, a a big, big deal because they were holding something, you know, a secret in so much that when they played music, they just kind of let everything out, you know, spiritual for them. it's yeah, beautiful. I know. You know, I know. Paul is very into like woo-woo spiritual sort of stuff and crystals right. and shit. So, and I'm sure Sean was very similar. But you can tell it was spiritual for them. I, I yeah. did have the pleasure, thankfully, I'm really grateful for this of of seeing Cynic. I did get to see yeah. them. Actually, I think you may have been at that show with me. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier because I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, there's a couple of shows. I think it was Devin headlining, and I think yeah. they they played right before him. But I was right up front. I remember Sean had his set turned to the side, the side, yeah. So like you could see everything he was doing, and that was yeah, one of the shows I'll never forget that concert because it was a big deal. Like Cynic had returned; they were gone for like ever. They came back, put a new record out. Like yeah. people like us who were already <clears throat> listening to them had never had a chance to see them. So it was huge, and you know, then they they. They played for a little while after that. I think they put, what, two, three records out? Yeah, a couple of records. Didn't focus, yeah. and then I think they did two more after that and an EP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, it, it took me a while to get uh, past focus. I mean, I've, I, I'll, I'll do that with albums, like, even though, like, you know, a, a group or whatever, an artist has released, like, new material, I get stuck on one thing because I feel like I just haven't absorbed everything and but eventually i ended up listening to their newer stuff and 
I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. Uh, to me though, like if I need inspiration or, you know, in, in that realm, I de I'll definitely go to focus. That's focus and uh, sound of perseverance and, and human are like up there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think cynics later material was fascinating. Actually. I thought it was, yeah. it was clever. It did remind me a little bit more of what was that other freaking project that they had? Accordion knot. Is it accordion knot? No, that's Sean. Oh, dude, I was. No. There was a point where I was obsessed with everything Sean did. Beyond <laughs> spoke. That was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that was more like like rock, more like prog rock, and you could definitely hear some elements mm -hmm. from that sound in the later two cynic records, for sure. But I get what you mean. Like focus is is its own thing. And I think it's always going to be its own thing. Cause so much pat, so much time had passed in between that record and the later stuff. They did all this stuff. They had other projects. They matured as men, you know, they had all these life experiences. I yeah, think absolutely. it wouldn't have made sense if they came back and put something out that sounded similar to focus. Actually, it probably would have yeah. been disappointing if that, that was what happened. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and it, it blows my mind that they were, you know, when Human came out, Focus came out, they were only like 19, 20, right? Something, Not something like that. It was just that like, I, I, I always like think back when I was playing music when I was 19 or 20. And, you know, I, I, like, <laughs> we I, I wasn't, that. I wasn't thinking that, that, you know, that advanced, but, you know, the relationship they had to, I, th that's like I said, you know, when you're around people that push you, you, you just immediately go like, <laughs> you just explode like your brain, just like, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, this is like so new to me. Like the textures, like the dynamics, everything. And I, I, I'm very fortunate that I have that with my band now that I, they inspire me, that they push me to be better, you know? Cause I think that's, that's very rare when you meet a group of people that can, that can do that. So, you know, that dynamic that Paul and Sean had, it was just like, all right, this guy is sick. He's going to inspire me. And, you know, I'm sick and I'm going to inspire him. And they're listening to records, trading records, you know, trading chops and stuff. It's, you can't you you can't buy that. That's that's insane. You know when you just lock in with someone else and you're writing music on a really high level, man. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like two two souls meeting and having a conversation almost. Yeah. I, I very much view music like that as like a kind of like spiritual sex or whatever. It's like <laughs> like but when I jam with people and I have like a really intense jam session, that's kind of what it's like afterward. It's like very euphoric. But, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. weird. It is. It's it's I can't even explain it to people anymore. I'm just yeah. like well, just, like I said, it's spiritual, yeah. like especially for Cynic, you know, Paul and Sean, that, that was definitely how they viewed their music. And when I saw them live, I got that vibe too. It was very much like a, a spiritual yeah. experience. So all right, I think we're gonna wrap it up because we're we're at like an hour and fifteen. Brand awesome. and I are definitely tired. We've been traveling and shit, but it was a long day. It was a long day. <laughs> No, I bet I, I really appreciate you guys, you know. No, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Man, we appreciate it.
But yeah, it's like yeah. Daniel likes to have musical guests, and I don't get to like talk so much because I don't really know much about music. Yeah, but I do enjoy listening to the conversation, and I like that it brings a lot of variety to our channel. I think one of the things about the podcast that is unique is that we jump around. We don't have a particular one thing that's awesome. one thing yeah. that we keep hitting on, and, and I think musical guests are a lot of fun. That that was definitely. I would say inspired a bit by Rogan in a sense, because um, that's very much how he's done his podcast. You know, he he brings on yeah. who the hell who? he's in who? Joe Rogan, who the Spotify guy, who the Spotify guy, dude, he's a psyop. That bald dude, he's a psyop. I don't know what Joe Rogan is, but just that style of bringing yeah. on a multitude of different types of people from different walks of life and specialties, and we love you, Joe. So I think. Uh, I always wanted it to be that. When we started this, I knew that I was also going to be bringing on musicians and stuff. And you were one of the first people that came to mind. I was like, all right, I can't wait to talk to JP and some other interesting creative types about, you know, things that aren't just depressing shit and politics and, you know, evil people oh, in man. power and all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. JP, where can everyone find you? On Instagram. So I, I don't even know what my Instagram is anymore. The John, previous one got, got hacked. Uh, it's, yeah, John Paul on drums. Um, yeah, John Paul on drums. And the Callius page is Callius Official yeah. at, uh, on Instagram. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just fucking crazy, man. We got that new merch. <laughs> yeah, we got a. Uh, released a couple of new shirts um in the last few days so yeah i think i think you guys i think you guys will like it yeah that's the alien god god thing yeah, i mean although that's, that's like what it. i have dreams about <laughs> oh my god checked out you might need a hypnotic progression Maybe she's they so took pretty oh my god dude my that's gonna be mad if okay. I buy another metal shirt, Ooh, but I'm definitely gonna get another fucking shirt. Oh, because like you don't have enough music shirts. Dude. I have a lot. But look, it's not there are people worse than me. Like I was talking to James Dorton from Blackground Initiate. Yeah. The <clears throat> singer. Oh, I love this design. Great guy, really cool dude, super, super <gasps> Ooh, smart. I like the um he's like <laughs> the band tees. He, apparently he has like a ridiculous like collection. Really? That's yeah, awesome. He's like he's like dude. That's so like, cool. He's like, it's a problem for me, man. Like, I might, I might want this one. He's like, I'll go on to one of the good team. I used to have one that was kind of like that. Uh, very Matrix-like. Oh, I still have it? Yeah, I think he started that shirt with the circuit board, and there's like mm -hmm. that tiny little... I like this one because it's got green, and then it has the... Uh, green, yeah. On the chip. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> go listen to Kali's new music. Follow JP. Follow JP. Go Thank buy you so much, money. guys. Support artists and musicians. Um, yeah, you know, it's it takes work to do this ah. stuff. So give like, us subscribe, comment, kind of, like help us make a living doing do all the things. Yes. Love you. Thanks right, for guys. Thank Be you back. so much. Have a good night. Stay safe, all right? Yep, yep. Bye bye. Talk soon.